Uh, right, hello everybody. Welcome to today's Trend Signal Trading Podcast. Uh, my name is Adrian Boothy. I'm the head of trading here at Trend Signal. And today's podcast is really, about, I guess, about the lockdown extensions that are affecting the markets and really affecting this supposed V-shaped recovery. It's the 29th of June, 2020, and I'm joined as ever with our chief analyst, uh, Jerry Miller. Hello, Jerry. Uh, hello, all. Hi. Um, so, uh, as ever, if you've this first time of listening to this podcast, what we like to do is just a bit of a run through of what's been happening over the last few days, a bit of an update on the markets and what to look out for for the week ahead, really. So we just try and get an, into everything uh, there. We talk about the different sort of concepts affecting the market, the different correlations that are out there. And obviously, at the moment, there's a lot to talk about with the likes of COVID-19 and uh, sort of lockdown measures, reopening or not reopening, as the case may be in the state. So, Jerry, do you want to give us a quick, up, quick update with what? what's been going on there uh yeah sure well let, let's just start with what's happened overnight the markets uh, stumbled uh in the wake of uh news from florida and texas that have introduced lockdown measures uh, and obviously uh, the u.s markets had a bit of a bit of a uh, slip on friday falling what 2.4 percent which was the majority of last week's falls actually i think the stocks fell about sort of 2.8 3.2 percent in the whole of last week 2.4 percent of that was on friday so uh, quite a move um it's COVID-19 you know the infection rates picking up there uh, they have been doing for probably the last week and a half three weeks ago Texas it was pretty safe but uh it just shows good to show you how quickly this sort of all builds up uh, and so these both both Texas and Florida and they're important because they're Republican states but they went into lockdown quite late and decided for some bizarre reason you know in the second week of May that they could ease their lockdown measures which as you and I have discussed, Adrian, um, we were a couple of weeks behind Europe and the US were probably three weeks behind us. Uh, and the weird thing is you've got the US, some of these states were uh, easing their lockdown measures even before Europe was. So it just didn't make sense. And well, uh, it now comes to pass that, um, you know, the, they haven't locked down long enough and these infection rates have really picked up now. Um, so it's that news that's been bothering the markets uh, and also, um, Bit of news um, from the Fed as well that they've uh, had a uh, basically said that uh, banks are not allowed to do any share buybacks uh, for now, which has uh, hit the markets, uh, hit hit that particular sector, um, particularly. And they're uh, looking at the dividends as well, aren't they? I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dividends, share buybacks. Yeah, anything that yeah. Uh, anything that effectively puts money back in the shareholders' pockets. I think they're uh, concerned about the uh, level of. Um, uh, debt write-offs that's going to be um, uh, building, which is, yeah, it's, it, it'll it'll be definitely happening, I'm afraid. I mean, it's interesting. We we, we talked in the, the the subject line of today's podcast about the uh, the V-shaped recovery. I mean, obviously, you know, the whole lockdown sort of reopening, if you like, um, in some of those states is really going to threaten that, isn't it, uh, Jerry? It seems to like the Nike tick or the U might be back on the agenda. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, and it's interesting. On uh, yesterday, the U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary, quite an interesting title, um, basically also rattled the markets, and which that's sort of what caused the sort of uh, gap down overnight in some of these markets, which have recovered, and as you can see, certainly recovered in the yeah. European and, U and UK and U.S. indices, all, all pointing to a slightly firmer opening, which is interesting. Uh, but he said that uh, the Trump administration is um, in denial about the COVID-19 resurgence. Um, and, and just to put everyone in the picture, um, you know, these southern states relaxed their lockdowns early, 
assume that they'd escaped, you know, the worst of the pandemic. And remember how the pandemic hit New York. Wow. Um, and and there's, there's a strong possibility that unless, you know, they take action, quick action. And that means a proper lockdown, not sort of just cancelling a few things. You, you can't do a partial lockdown. It has to be done properly. Um, but I can't I, help but think that if there's a lot of people whose businesses are not going to be open for another few months and, you know, are they are they are they going to who are they going to blame? You know, when they come to election time in November, well, this is the problem. It. I think I think I, th I wonder if the policies taken by the, uh, the Trump's administration would have been different if it wasn't an election this year. Uh, because Definitely. it seems that he 100%. just wants to focus on get businesses back open again, get the stock market as high as possible, get it moving, moving, moving um, to make people think that he's doing a great job. You know, and he, he's engineering. You know, secondary, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Well, yeah, what price of life? You know, that's forever been debated. But, uh, you know, he's engineered this uh, confrontation with China, uh, trying to, you know, underline his... Uh, willingness to confront China in in all its sort of sort of devious ways of gaining share and, um, and, and you know uh, in involving itself in uh, businesses across the globe, um, but it, it, it's something that Joe Biden has not commented on, and it's really been left to Trump to shoot himself in the foot. And uh, you know when I listen and, and read reports about my, uh, Mike Pence. Um, you know, effective second in command at the um, in the White House administration, he, he is just in denial. There's no sort of, there is no real, uh, how can I put it, emergence, uh, it, it sort of uh, priority in his comments. It just sounds like, well, the death rate's not increasing. It's something that we'll get control of, and it'll just put us put us back maybe a week or two. And I'm just thinking that that's that's not what people want. Should be told. They should be told. This is getting out of hand. You've got to stay indoors. But that's not going to cause people to stay indoors. Yeah. There's a holiday coming up. It's, it's Independence Day. What do you think that's is going to happen there? That said, it's, it's slightly better than uh, injecting bleach or whatever else. I know that. So before I get the complaints. Yeah, but I, I, he didn't make that, Adrian. I mean, yeah, he, he said he was joking. Of course he wasn't joking. Yeah. He just didn't realise what he was saying. No, but going back to your comments about um, valuations and stuff and uh, V-shape, U-shape recovery. You know, there were some notable comments in the press, and I was just reading uh, stuff on um, from Forex Factory about uh, um, you know some of the news regarding um, uh, the V-shape, U-shape recovery, and you got some notable um, sort of um, institutions saying that you know they still believe that this is going to be a V-shaped recovery. Uh, in fact, that's Morgan Stanley. Uh, a second wave is coming, but it won't derail the V-shaped recovery, they're saying. Uh, and yet there are other ones, you know, just put it well and truly to bed, the V-shaped recovery. US COVID-19 surge likely to continue for weeks. That is likely to continue for weeks because they're not dealing with it properly. So when you look at a stock market, when you, um, and remember the stock market is a stock market. It's not the economy. The stock market is saying, you know, this is how uh, this is where the shares are valued. This is where people are prepared to buy and sell. It's a fluid market all the time. But it, this is the valuation. And these valuations now are quite stretched, Adrian. You know, yeah. you, you, you've, you've come from the sort of low point around the 20th, 24th of March. And here we are now 
gosh, record highs in the NASDAQ, as, I, uh, as we've discussed yeah. previously, that seems to be happening every week. Um, not in the broader market, but it's just interesting that that, that has happened. Um, and yet, it's all based on the fact that we're going to get a, a decent rebound in the economy. Will the rebound in the economy justify these stock price moves and the valuations implied by these moves? And I think that the recovery is looking less likely now if these lockdown measures are introduced. And they have and if they're not introduced, then there'll be a bigger and bigger resurgence and eventually it'll get out of control. Then it will be all hell to pay. So I think either way, I do think that we, the market is going to struggle to hold on to these um, prices up here. I say up here, up here to compared to, gosh, uh, you know, late, mid, yeah. mid, late May. You know, we've, uh, it's been going up sort of relentlessly in a way, hasn't it? Uh, it has, uh, really. I mean, I, I don't think many people would have ever expected the stock market to have recovered in the way that it did. Uh, that's for sure. But it certainly, it certainly has. I mean, you well, think about a, that. I mean, it went from, what, 2,190 uh, up to 3,200. I mean, that's just absurd, uh, really, in many yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, but certainly, but it, you know, think, think about the right now, we've recovered quite a bit. So we gap down. We look at the uh, four-hour chart here on the S&Ps. We can see Friday's close, um, and which is pretty much, we're trading just slightly above that number now. So very much a sort of a risk-off. Uh, move first thing, but we're then retreating back as though nothing's really happened over the weekend. And we saw similarly uh, with foreign exchange as well. So the sort of the uh, sort of risk off currencies like, um, uh, well, sort of the riskier ones like Aussie dollar and, and New Zealand dollar, they got a bit hit this morning in the same way as stocks. But again, uh, they've kind of recovered a little bit off their lows as well uh, today. Uh, big moves on the pound though today, Jerry. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I can only think that this is is the nerves ahead of um, the Brexit talks, which have started. Yeah. Has the some is a feedback on that? This, and when I talk about the Brexit talks, I'm talking about um, uh, David Frost, the um, EU, sorry, the UK's negotiator, is actually meeting in person um, with Michel Barnier, the um, uh, EU's chief negotiator. Um, and but the, the press, certainly the Financial Times, talk quite positively about this. Ever since uh, Boris Johnson's intervention with the president of the EU Commission, uh, was it a week or two weeks ago, that seems to put it all back uh, in play again. Um, what sort of deal will be achieved? But I think they will get a deal at some stage. There, there seems to be both sides are prepared to compromise. So um, you could almost, I've sort of assumed that that's going to happen. So to see this sterling weakness. Um, is it a reflection of um, more turbulence to come? Um, I know the UK is regarded as one of the weaker, uh, potentially one of the economies to be hit most by the pandemic because it's of its reliance on the consumer and consumer spending um, and a higher percentage of um, service uh, sector industry that's been sort of uh, furloughed, big hospitality, travel, leisure sector. So uh, it, it's it's probably a combination of all of those, Adrian. But I noticed that uh, sterling's lost, um, gosh, it's about one percent against the euro this morning. Yeah, euro is very strong. Sterling's uh, sterling's pretty weak. So yeah, massive moves. There was a, a fantastic buy on uh, our S4 accelerator strategy um, just on Friday evening, and. Uh, I mean, you know, and it's just paused for a few hours, but you can see that the size of the two candlesticks, the 10 p.m. closing candle and this current one, massive moves uh, in relative terms. Um, 
but but but, yeah. but you're right. It seems that it's particularly weak against the the euro. So the euro is quite strong generally uh, this morning yeah. so, or today, I should say. And, and actually, a bit of you know a bit of decent volatility in the FX markets this week. But last week was quite a quiet one, wasn't it, Jerry? So we saw stocks yeah. go down, but we saw pretty flat sort of dollar moves on uh, euro yeah. dollar, pound dollar, dollar yen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, stocks, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of this piece, the US indices were down sort of 2.8, 3.3%. But currencies, which are a lot less volatile, uh, really had a particularly uh, quiet week last week. Um, Sterling, which, you know, I, I, I keep on reading these comments. Bank of America put out another one saying that the, the uh, British pound was like uh, uh, an emerging market currency, uh, but there was a quite a pe uh, an interesting opinion piece in the FT this morning saying that that that's completely wrong. Um, the fact is, it's going through some turbulence, and there's a lot. There's quite, there are more unknowns about sterling than there are about other currencies. So, it is reflected in the movement in 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 the currency, but it's certainly yeah. not. Um, behaving like it is not an emerging market currency it's a misunderstanding yeah. really if anything it's trading the way foreign foreign exchange markets used to trade you know a decade ago um, but the the volatility in foreign exchange markets has uh, has eroded over time that's for sure and why is that is a lot of that is that down to the, the fact that interest rates are, are, are low generally um, yeah across the, yeah the, 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 if you think about it agent when, when there is a gap between relative interest rates. So if you're trading uh, the, the sterling against the Japanese yen, for example, with yen rates really, really low and sterling rates quite high, uh, there is a, you know, there's plenty of room for arbitrage, uh, the carry trades and all sorts of reasons for buying and selling different currencies. With rates being crushed, the air has been sucked out of all those sort of strategies where you've got um, interest rates in virtually all um, economies crushed down to the very bottom of the, the the chart. So there's, they're all, they've all been stamped on, as it were. There's no daylight between any of them. So it it really removes any sort of uh, arbitrage or um, carry trading opportunities. There is still a little bit of that, but relative to what there could be, it's, it's quite small. Um, and what about the uh, commodities? Uh, so gold, gold broke out uh, last week, didn't it? So it sort of broke yeah. to um, sort of new highs uh, in comparison to well, been trading relatively strongly anyway, of course. And um, whilst the stock market's been coming off a little bit, gold just keeps um, keeps keeps rising. Well, it's sort of feeding itself in a way. The more it goes up, the more it reaches multi-year highs. I mean, I think uh, we hit a gosh, uh, highest levels we've seen since October 2012, Adrian, in gold. So uh, obviously you won't see it on a daily chart, but you know, that that's, you're going back, um, you know, seven years and sort of eight months. It, it's it's a big, big uh, move. Something that I hadn't foreseen, but then again, foreseen the pandemic, the global pandemic, but it's just interesting the way it yeah. continues to attract interest and, and partly the dollar's not really having much of an impact, but as a safe haven play, is it safe haven buying? Should the stock is the stock market, you know, living in living on borrowed time? Is you know, is gold right and the stock market right? They both can't be right. Um, and you know, we've mentioned it before now. If there is a, a sudden fall in equities, which would be what we call as a risk off move, as investors take their money out of riskier assets, i.e. Uh, 
uh, equities and put them into bonds, yielding nothing, if not negatively yielding, put it into cash, into dollars or, 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 or uh, Swiss francs or Japanese yen, uh, but normally they and then they buy gold. But but if the dollar's rallying, it makes you know it puts pressure on gold as well. So it's yeah, I'm not convinced in the short term um, about gold. Um, I, I, my impression is that it might be uh, trading quite a way ahead of um, the situation. And if there is a, a sudden knee-jerk fall in equities, I'm not sure how much gold would benefit from it. Yeah. Um, okay. And. Well, quite. Um, and what about um, uh, oil? Um, it was uh, down a bit uh, last week. Um, and uh, so what, what, what's, what's that for? Well, it's basically been tracking uh, uh, equities. Obviously, when uh, equities fall, the oil sector falls, uh, it's reflected in the oil price. It's going to be less demand for oil. If there's less demand, the price will go down. Um, so, yeah, it's not really surprising. Um, news over the weekend, though, was quite interesting. Chesapeake Energy, uh, many of you might have uh, listened to this, might have heard of that uh, producer. It's one of the, I think it actually is the biggest US oil producer. So uh, mm. one of the big uh, frackers uh, that uh, produces uh, a lot of oil um, went into Chapter 11 on Sunday. That's Chapter 11 uh, sort of uh, insolvency protection whilst it reorganizes its affairs. It has been saddled with really unsustainable debt for, for four or five years, really. Um, and it, it, it just can't make a profit at these sort of prices. Um, it, it's unable to invest in new uh, wells, which is the lifeblood of any uh, fracking business. Um, so it's, um, it decided- We discussed to... in previous podcasts that the, the, the cost of fracking is about $50 a barrel. So- yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, is it 50? Uh, so yeah. yeah, they can't survive at 38, can they? Unless they're getting a huge subsidy. Um, yeah, well, one on else. average, on average, yeah, it's sort of anywhere between sort of 35 and 50, depending on which sort of area they're in. But um, it's it's a, it's quite a lot more expensive than the, the cheap oil producers in the, the Middle East that uh, stick a whole you know tube in the ground and up comes oil. It's an expensive business extracting it. Uh, and these companies have, uh, you know, borrowed huge amounts of money. But this is something that's been a long time coming with Chesapeake. And I just think it was inevitable when the price collapsed, um, as it did um, in the wake of the pandemic um, uh, crisis. Um, and, and maybe this will just give it that sort of time that it's that it wants, that it needs to try and reorganize itself. Um, you know, you look at I mean, I was looking at a chart uh, on uh, Chesapeake. I mean, they got pretty much killed over the last five years. So most shareholders are probably resigned to losing most of their money. But in Chapter 11, they're going to lose the rest of what they've got left. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, you know, never know. Um, a lot of companies that have gone into Chapter 11, like Hertz, uh, which went into Chapter 11, what was it, sort of six weeks ago, the share price has gone through the roof. <laughs> so uh, ever since its rescue uh, but already mm -hmm. the lenders are queuing up to lend money to um, Chesapeake when it's um, sort of uh, you know reorganized itself so um, for all those um, OPEC uh, OPEC plus producers that are just waiting to see uh, a collapse in US production it, it may not be that for that long I don't know but um, mm. uh, they'll probably know more than I do Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's have a, a quick look at some of the highlights from last week before we get into uh, this coming week's uh, main event. So last week, 
there was some good data out there, beating expectations on some of the service and manufacturing PMI data, Jerry, on Tuesday uh, last yeah. week. That was pretty pretty positive. In fact, quite a lot of positive stuff uh, last week, really. Yeah, I, I just goes to show you how difficult it is to forecast what's coming out. And, and there's been such horrendous moves with unemployment data, just the likes that you'll, I've never seen and, you'll, and you will never see, because you're going to be around a lot longer than me, Adrian, in the future, you will ever see again. I mean, it's just extraordinary. So, you know, I don't, I'm not, it's not a critique on economists and analysts with their forecasts, but it's more of how impressive the rebound has been. But what I would say, apart from the French numbers, uh, those sectors, the manufacturing and service sectors, are still in recession, are still still contracting. Still yeah. yeah, so so there's still a long way to go. And remember, there are hot spots of uh, uh, you know COVID-19 popping up in several areas in Europe, some in Germany, uh, some in France. A lot in all of these sort of you know meat packing factories and stuff like that uh, that have typically cold environments where the virus flourishes where there are a lot of people around so um we're not out of the woods yet let's be sure yeah absolutely um and uh, okay and then we'll we'll move on to this coming week in a second but uh university of michigan consumer sentiment just slightly uh weaker than expected jerry so uh let's just can you just Two seconds on why this is quite an important number. Uh, well, it, if if the consumer is happy and is confident and is, you know, okay with his his or her lot, they'll spend money. If they spend money, they buy goods, they buy services, and the companies that they buy those goods and services off are likely to, you know, with more revenue, are going to make more profits, make more profits, better for the stock market, and. You know, so it, it's a good leading indicator. So we look at these consumer sentiment readings, knowing that they're telling us what's going to happen sort of in the months to come. So um, we're interested in the University of Michigan, which puts out this very detailed consumer sentiment reading. And this is a revision from the previous reading, Adrian. So not too bad a revision, but, you know, you can click on the graph on the left, on the right hand side. You can see, uh, you know, what that looks like. Um, um, and it's just collapsed, uh, but it's recovering now. But it's still got a long way to go to get back to those levels that we've uh, been used to over the last uh, sort of five, six, seven, eight years, really since 2014. Um, but uh, again, it, it, it is such a self-inflicted wound, this, to the extent that governments deliberately close down vast swathes of their economy to protect the population from this virus you know and that's what the lockdown's called uh, yeah well absolutely um okay so um finally then um we've got the week ahead um a few bits um uh bank of england governor's already spoken maybe there's some pearls of uh, wisdom that uh, led to the sterling move uh, yeah. yeah, I can't see anything that he said from that that's uh, a cause for the sterling weakness. But uh, again, it might be uh, a reaction to um, Johnson's comments, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, sort of main events, uh, Jerry, do you want to quickly run through those? Yeah, sure. I'll, uh, so we've got we've already talked about the Brexit talks had started today. Uh, tomorrow, uh, very early days, uh, early doors, I should say, uh, we have the uh, Chinese manufacturing and services PMI data. It's produced by the state as opposed to the independent one produced by Cakesin, which is uh, 
bit more respected because uh, <laughs> the, 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 the Chinese state tends to release data that matches its forecast because they're not wrong. Uh, they're not wrong, are they? Um, so that's so. We'll all wake up tomorrow morning. Uh, that data comes out overnight, so we'll feel the effects of whatever that might have been in the morning or not, possibly depending on how far away it is from expectations. Um, we then have uh, tomorrow evening uh, after our market shut at 5:30. We've got Jay Powell or Jerome Powell, the chairman of the uh, Federal Reserve, the U.S. Central Bank. Uh, he's testifying. Uh, in Congress to the House Financial Services Committee. Quite an important committee, that one, actually, and that has the potential to uh, cause a few ripples in uh, equity markets and foreign exchange markets, certainly with the dollar. So at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon, that's one to watch. Um, this is the week of um, being the first Friday of the new month uh, this week. Uh, we have the payroll data out in the US and the US payroll data is important because it is one of the mandates of the US Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, to try and foster full employment. So employment data does affect what the Central Bank does with interest rates. Let's, so let's just make that clear. Which brings me on to ADP non-farm employment change on uh, Wednesday. This is the private payroll company reading that um, uh, it's a bit more volatile than the um, state, the, sorry, the, the uh, government's own um, Bureau of Labor Statistics that is going to release their data on Thursday this week, not, not Friday because it's a bank holiday in the US. But uh, so ADP uh, certainly seeing the same sort of increase in employment as you'd expect as this lockdown eases across the US. Uh, you can click on the graph on the right hand side, Adrian, on ADP, and you can see <laughs> this just. Hmm. 20 million. Anyway, so uh, the forecast is for a 3 million rise following a 2.76 million contraction uh, the previous uh, month, um, which sort of is basically in line with um, most forecasts and what you'd expect to see. Um, on to Thursday, we don't normally get non-farm employment change or unemployment data in the US on a Thursday, but it's a bank holiday Friday, which is the day before Independence Day on the 4th of July, which is Saturday. So Friday markets are closed. Thursday, we've got the unemployment data. Um, Three million um, increase in employment, which, you know, having had 20 odd million unemployed, a lot of those workers are now going back to work, Adrian. And yeah. the important thing is we've got to note here, this is the same time as we get the initial claims. Do you see the unemployment claims there? at the yep. bottom there. Uh, that is the weekly data that makes up, largely makes up the monthly data. Now, people are going to look at this and think, well, so you're telling me there's 1.3 million, I think that's what it means, 1.3 million in new claims. And, and, that, and that basically is um, because there are still people who are being made redundant or have been furloughed and so are claiming unemployment benefit, but that doesn't mean that the, un that the number of people employed isn't going up because there are a lot of people who have, who have previously claimed uh, for unemployment benefits who've gone back to work. So um, the unemployment claims or initial claims are different to non-farm employment. So that there is a distinction. The key thing is if you click on that graph again, on the right hand side, Adrian, you can see exactly what's happening with, um, if you click on the non-farm employment change uh, graph, that's what, that's the one. So you can see there how catastrophic, a bit like the ADP, you could see the 20 million uh, job 
uh, jobless. Uh, now uh, we're seeing um, a rise of, uh, well, 2.5, we're looking for 3 million coming this week. That's the expectation. That's that little brown mark there yeah. that uh, denotes the uh, expectation. But that's consistent with what most economists are, ex economists are expecting. Whether we get a U or V-shaped recovery very much depends. Uh, I've got a feeling it's going to be a V-shaped recovery that looks like a U. <laughs> They'll all be calling it a V-shaped, won't they? Well, the Republicans <laughs> will anyway, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a new... No, that's right. Right. It'll be V. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a V. No, it's a U. No, it's a V. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you want, Donald, it's yours, mate. Uh, well, he's not doing that well in the polls. So um, you might start to wonder whether he has chosen the right path. Maybe remaining uh, like Sleepy Joe, just stay in the limelight and let your let your rival shoot himself in the foot. I, one of the polls puts uh, Joe Biden 14 points ahead of uh, Trump. 14. That's even more than it had been, isn't it? It's been yeah, sort of 10 or 11 yeah. for the last couple yeah. of weeks, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But he'll, he, he does well on the campaign when it all gets going. And if there's any head to head stuff, he'll do well, Trump. But uh, some people, are, you know, some analysts are saying that he, he might have already lost it, which is interesting. Well, my guess is it'll be good for the stock market until he sort of gives up. And then uh, yeah. he'll keep doing more and more stimulus for the stock market. And then as soon as um, that's probably the, the end of it, my guess is that'll be a big yeah. old sell as soon as Biden gets in, if he gets in. <sighs> Well, yeah, uh, that would be really interesting. There's so much damage being wrought on international relationships. Uh, the internet, uh, the, you know, the isolationist sort of policies that Trump's um, pushed for, uh, you know, dropping NAFTA, uh, the, the combative style uh, the, the, with the uh, EU. Uh, it's it just from it, with everyone. And it's just been an extraordinary four years of flux and change that and twitter yeah, yeah running the government by twitter from your from your bed at three o'clock in the morning maybe sleepy joe maybe maybe trump should be a bit more sleepy He'd probably be doing better yeah there you go <laughs> he drinks um i think what is it something like uh, 12 cans of diet coke a day uh, i think i watched Does he? video one yeah this remarkable I video I watched on Facebook uh, a few weeks ago, and there are these two guys who had to um, eat what he eats um, during the day and what he drinks, um, which is, is just horrendous, basically. Um, well, I know he doesn't drink a drop of alcohol. He's not drunk alcohol no. for a long time. He, he only drinks uh, Diet Coke, apparently. Um, and for lunch, they, they served up uh, pizza for one person, or the other one was uh, McDonald's. But... With the pizza, they just scraped off the topping because he doesn't actually eat the bread base. He just eats the topping of the pizza. <laughs> and the other one, the other one, the <laughs> other one had uh, some McDonald's burgers. And it was four burgers, but he didn't eat the bread, so he just had to eat the meat uh, with like. Oh, a kilo of, what a what kilo is the point of, of having a pizza without the without the bread, the dough? Just melted cheese. I just have <laughs> yeah, some melted yeah, cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> melted cheese and meat. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we digress. We, if he does, if he does lose, we're going to miss him. Gosh, it, uh, um, Twitter will be uh, bereft of. Uh, yeah, we'll short Twitter. Yeah, we'll short Twitter, Twitter when Biden uh, Biden gets in. Um, right. Uh, anything else to uh, to add? Uh, no, that's it. Pretty much with the markets, U.S. markets shut on Friday. Uh, we're likely we European uh, and UK markets are likely to be uh, quieter than normal. But as I've said before. Um, 
it doesn't mean you're not going to get some an, any news or announcement that could destabilize the markets. And if it happens on a day when the market, with US markets are closed, you will get an even bigger reaction uh, in our markets. So uh, yeah, not a day to to slow it down. Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so not there. a day to go gardening, really. I, I, if you're a trader, you've got to keep focused, even especially so when the mar US markets are shut, because. Uh, you know, you can still get some big moves, especially on a Friday. It's very unusual to have a Friday uh, holiday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, uh, right, that's pretty much it um, then from us. So, uh, uh, as ever, we are hosting some events this week. I'm going to go through these slides, which we haven't looked at today, but that's okay. Um, if you'd like to uh, find out more about Trend Signal and how we teach people to trade uh, beyond uh, just today's podcast, uh, then we'd love to welcome you to one of our live uh, trading webinars. So, um, you can register. We've got a short link on screen now. So, there's bit.ly, so bit.ly slash. Uh, learn ts so bit.ly slash learn ts and we'll teach you one of our trading strategies how we use it how we apply it to the fx index and commodity markets so the potential you could use it too uh, to help boost your trading results as well plus uh, as ever the podcast if you the first time of accessing it and you'd like to know what we're on uh, we're in a number of different places you can uh, listen to us on itunes you can listen to us on soundcloud on spotify and you can even watch it too uh, on YouTube and our website as well. So just search for the Trend Signal podcast um, and uh, access it on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, if you want to go to our website, just go to trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. Bit of a mouthful there. So trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog blog uh, but that's it otherwise everybody have a great week's trading and hopefully i uh, will see you at one of our events uh, or if not uh, at the podcast this time next week so bye-bye for now